Welcome to the Primal Pioneer, a no-nonsense podcast teaching you how to rewild your life and heal your body using nature's medicine kit. I'm your host, Heather Shepard, classical homeopath, author of The Sunlight Rx, and alternative healer. For the past decade, I've been helping people overcome acute and chronic health disorders and brain injuries using a 100% natural approach. Enjoy this episode and subscribe to this podcast to stay informed about your body, your health, and how to lead the healthiest life possible, even amidst our crazy modern world. You're listening to the Holistic Approaches to Cancer series. This is episode two, how to tell when someone is cancer free. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode. Today I am going to share how I can tell when a cancer client is moving towards their cure or being in a cancer-free state. I touched a little bit upon this in the last episode and I think um, you'll start to connect the dots between the two episodes. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, root causes of cancer, I would really encourage you to do so. It'll really um, prep you for this episode and uh, will we'll help you get a deeper understanding as to what's really behind our modern day cancer rates and why they're escalating so much. But I'll also touch upon that a little bit in this episode. So, um, and then I'll just mention here that the following episode coming after this is going to be all about um, a holistic cancer diet or the ideal cancer healing diet. Okay, so I will go into detail about that because I know a lot of you have been asking about a diet, what's the ideal diet for somebody with cancer. Um, I manage a Facebook group, many of you know, called the Keto Cancer Solution. And that's a very common question there as to how to use diet to help support a cancer diagnosis. So I will get into that subject in the next episode. Today, I'm going to deep dive into how I, as a holistic health coach, can tell when a client that I'm working with who has cancer is moving towards a cancer-free state or place. Um, So before I go there, I just quickly want to start by dissolving some misconceptions about cancer. Okay, and of course, there's thousands of these out there today, but I want to mention three core misconceptions around cancer that um, will help you better understand this episode and what I'm sharing here today as well. So let's dive into that. Number one, only really sick people get cancer. Okay, this is true pretty much for every other chronic disease. Very sick people get chronic diseases, okay? And throughout the episode here, you'll you'll learn more about that and why that is. Cancer is interesting, however, because 
healthier people can get cancer and people who are super unhealthy can also get cancer. It doesn't make logical sense. It's also not the story we've been told. We're told that really sick people, only really sick people, I should say, get cancer. Just not accurate. And as I I dive into these episodes more about health and healing and specific topics regarding that, you'll continuously hear me refer to different levels of health. Everybody is in a different level of health. Um, Some people might be in a similar level of health. Other people might be in a different level of health. But there's upper levels of health There's uh, and there's lower levels of health. Okay, And of course, there's a medium ground as well. When it comes to cancer, people in upper levels of health or lower levels of health can get cancer or medium levels of health can get cancer. Other chronic diseases mostly belong to those in lower levels of health. Now, that subject alone is very dense, but I'm going to sum it up for you, the difference between the levels here, um, just so you can get an idea of what this means. I'm going to give you some context. So people in upper levels of health, they are able to get high fever of 105, 106 or above. And um, they, that fever um, allows them to get over the acute that they're having, whether it's a cold, a flu, strep throat, etc. It allows them to rapidly get over whatever acute condition they're experiencing. These people may get, you know, one acute every few years. They're mostly rare. Okay, and it's because these people are so healthy, they don't get that many acute diseases, cold, flu, bronchitis, cystitis, etc. But when they do come in contact with one of these acutes, they're able to spike high fever and that gives them their cure. They rarely, it's rare for them to get acute. Now this upper level, if you're thinking, hey, that's me, I never get a cold or a flu, it could be you, and I'm not here to like burst anyone's bubble, but most people in the modern world are not in an upper level of health. And I'll go into why here in just a minute. People in the middle ground, medium level of health, Some of these, there's a couple different things here. One, these people are sick all the time and get acute after acute after acute. Um, And they can get high fever as well. The difference between the medium level of health and the upper level of health is at the medium level, these individuals get frequent acutes. Cold, flu, strep throat, cystitis, etc., Okay, these individuals do not have chronic diseases. I will say they can, however, come in, they can, however, have cancer. Every other chronic disease is not likely in a medium or upper level. Lower levels of health, they're simply unable to get high fever. 
they haven't had high fever in seven, 10 plus years. They can't remember the last time they had high fever of 105, 101.5 or above. And these individuals typically also have some kind of chronic condition going on. Autoimmunity, rheumatoid arthritis, colitis, Crohn's. Um, they have a chronic disease, okay? Now, any of those levels can have cancer. Why is this true? I went into this at the end of the last episode, Root Causes of Cancer, when I talked about the mental-emotional connection to cancer. So when somebody's faced with a really big grief, you know, and not like a small grief, okay, um, like you watch a movie and it makes you cry, that's a small grief. But when you, um, when somebody that's really close with you, a partner, a parent, um, a child, somebody that's really near and dear to your heart dies or um, a trauma happens to you, a really big trauma, um, these big traumatic events or griefs, they can um, impact the organism so profoundly if it's not addressed, then cancer can set in, okay? With the other diseases, this isn't typically the case. So somebody in an upper level of health, they can get high fever, but they experience a really intense grief or trauma, and that really sets them back. And then they... Um, go into, they can go into a cancer state or cancer diagnosis can occur in these situations, in these situations. Now that's not to say that every grief or trauma is going to be cancer causing. Absolutely not. It really depends on the organism, the constitution and how profoundly that the grief or trauma affects this person and what kind of help or assistance or guidance or tools that you use to help them overcome that grief or trauma will be very important. Not only for preventing cancer, but for preventing any um, deeper pathology or chronic condition from setting in later down the line. Okay, so we're dissolving the misconception that only really sick people get cancer because usually especially on the keto cancer solution in that group, someone will post and say, hey, I haven't been sick in years. I haven't even got a sniffle, a cold, or a flu. And then out of the blue, I get this cancer diagnosis. Why? I don't understand. The way the mainstream teaches us how to think about our body and our immune system is totally ass backwards. We're taught that if we're not sick, if we don't get high fever, if we don't get an acute, then we're healthy. However, the opposite is actually true because if your body cannot produce high fever, it's because the immune system is so suppressed that it actually cannot defend itself. And the number one way our immune system defends itself is by producing high fever. Anyone who has strep bacteria in their gut, in their 
um, throat, they get strep throat, right? They have um, some kind of a gut infection. Maybe they'll have diarrhea from it. Uh, what we're taught is that um, we should suppress these things, right? Take antibiotics, take, um, you know, maybe corticosteroids in some situations, get a vaccine to prevent the flu. And this mentality, this mindset is really harmful to us. It's harmful to us because it teaches us that sickness is not a good thing and it means we're unhealthy. But what it really means is that the immune system simply isn't strong enough to elicit a defensive response, to defend itself. And the way the immune system defends itself is by producing high fever. So if you can't get a high fever, um, reason being is because there's been so many suppressive therapies over the years that your immune system has got to this point where it can no longer um, respond and defend itself. And the way it does that is through high fever. And so when you get to this point where the immune system can no longer defend itself, you no longer get acutes, you no longer get high fever, and what you get instead is a chronic disease. And this is the root cause of our chronic disease epidemics today. It's that we've used so many suppressive therapies incessantly, antibiotics, vaccines, corticosteroids, over-the-counter drugs, sleeping pills, etc. We've used so many that we've basically crushed our immune system. We've piled these bricks on top of them so that no longer will those acute little tiny symptoms appear, but instead what appears is a chronic condition. So um, that is really important to understand because we're not taught this. And then we're taught if somebody gets sick that they're a really sick person and um, it's, it's not a good thing. This is a marker of poor health. There are very few cancer patients today who can get high fever. And I talk all about that in root cause, the previous episode, Root Causes of Cancer. And so this is the, this is the reason that, that individual who, um, and, and many people ask this question, but I'm thinking of one person in particular on the Keto Cancer Solution who said, haven't got a cold flu in years, and then suddenly I get a cancer diagnosis. Why? I have no idea. I've been healthy. We say we've been healthy because we, we haven't had a cold or a flu. That's not health. Health is when your immune system is actually able to counter poisons, toxins, germs, stress by producing high fever. This is our key to preventing chronic diseases and cancer. Okay, number two misconception about cancer that I want to talk about today is that if I don't follow the standard of care protocol for cancer chemotherapy, radiation, surgery, then I won't have a chance to actually recover and beat this disease. Just not true. 
Um, but if you visit your oncologist, there I, I have never heard a story of the hundreds of people that I've worked with over the years who have had cancer. No one's ever come to me and said, hey, my oncologist said, nah, you know, go an alternative route, chemo and radiation. They're, they're not really going to be effective in the long term and the survival rate is really poor after five years and you know they don't tell them these things that they I've never heard that once and um it's because this is what they're taught they're taught chemo radiation immunotherapy surgery that's it ask them about diet just forget it they have no idea ask them about any other approach they will mock you or make fun of you some of them may say hey you know, that might be worth checking out. That's, you know, needle in a haystack. But I'm going to hope that there are some oncologists out there who are more supportive. But for the most part, that's not their world. That's not how they were educated. That's not the narrative that they're hearing on an everyday basis. And so that's not what they're going to tell you. However, there are other approaches to cancer and there's no better or worse. It's that you have to go with a decision and path that most resonates with you. The other thing to mention is that once you've had a cancer diagnosis, and this really pertains to anybody and everybody out there, whether you have cancer or not, healing is part of life. Sickness is part of life. We are always healing something. There's always something to heal, whether it's mental, emotional, physical, whether you simply want to be stronger in your body and build more lean muscle mass and you want to strengthen your bones, or if you literally want to prevent cancer or overcome cancer or detox or, you know, etc. There's always something to be healing. And a lot of time what I see in the allopathic world, um, especially the cancer world, is that after um, somebody who's had cancer has undergone chemo, radiation, immunotherapy, surgery, whatever they choose in, um, on from that route, the allopathic route regarding their cancer, is that after those treatments, the majority of people, over 90% of people who go that route do nothing else to support their health or body or recovery after that. The tumor is removed, the cancer um, goes away from chemo, right? And then that's it. They're they're cancer-free and um, they just go back to their lifestyle. They go back to doing what they've always been doing. This is a really, um, this is, a huge fault to our medical system and to the way we, the way we're taught to think about our health. We're taught to think we're sick for a little bit, so we'll focus on, you know, a, a treatment or a therapy for short term, and then once it's gone, then voila, I can go back to my everyday life. I don't have to worry about healing that much, you know, um, and I'm I'm pretty much out of the woods. I will mention that chemo and radiation are suppressive therapies. This is why so many people have reoccurrences after chemotherapy, especially the people who don't do anything to um, help their body recover, strengthen their immune system after that treatment, or detox the, the chemo. Every single cancer client who comes to me 
who's had cancer and has gone the allopathic treatment route, immediately detox, immediately we detox. Immediately we do homeopathy to help strengthen the immune system. Immediately we get a diet going that helps the immune system and hormones recover. Chemo and radiation are suppressive therapies, which is why there are higher um, uh, reoccurrence rates after those therapies because we're not actually remove, pulling that cancer out by the roots. We're basically spraying uh, Roundup Ready on the cancer. The weeds die for a little bit and then, oh, the roots are still in place and then they start to pop back up. This isn't to scare anybody who's had chemo radiation if you're thinking of doing so, but it's just to bring awareness that if you've gone that route or are considering going that route, that that's just the beginning and there's a lot of work to continue to do after you have gone through that process. And there's also a lot of other modalities that can support the cancer healing process as well that are outside of the standard of care. For me personally, I use homeopathy, diet, detoxification, light therapy, and sunlight therapy um, in my practice to help support anyone trying to overcome cancer or recover from cancer. Okay, so um, I guess the last thing I'll say there is know that you have options. People will try to fear you into, you know, one way is better or worse. You have to go with what resonates with you and what feels most supportive to you. That's the most important thing. And know that healing is an ongoing part of life and there's never an ending point. There's never an ending point to healing. Now, of course, there'll be ups and downs. Maybe sometimes there'll be more intense periods of healing and then there'll be, you know, more gentler waves when it comes to healing and there'll kind of be this like wave throughout your life of periods of of more intense healing versus not so much. Um, But it never ends. And I think that's a really important thing to mention because we we often think there's an end game. There's an end point when we'll, we'll stop healing. Okay, last misconception I'm going to talk about here is really important because it ties into um, how I determine whether somebody I'm working with who has cancer is, is actually moving towards a cancer-free state. And that is myth number three. If I improve my labs, okay, I will be cancer-free. What are, what labs? So, you know, usually if you go to your oncologist, naturopathic, or alternative, they run specific labs that pertain to cancer, and this will basically show your cancer markers. Are they high? Are they low? Are they in normal range? You know, they'll test certain markers that actually reflect, hey, is cancer present in the body? Things like ferritin, copper, um, and, and other labs they will run. And this is their hallmark. This is their gold standard for saying, hey, if my lab work is solid in these ranges and my cancer markers are good to go, then that's their hallmark gold standard when you know they can say hey this person's really cancer free they're they're 
you know, moving towards their cure. Not in my experience, and I'm not saying that that isn't a great thing to weave into your your healing strategy and protocol, but when we're going for the cream of the crop, we have to look at the immune system and not on paper, but actually what how your immune system is acting and responding in 3D real-time real life. Not on paper, in lab work, but actually in your symptoms. How do we do this? There are two main ways. And um, one main way I think is crystal clear now is can that person get high fever? Or are they moving towards that? Have they started to get more low fevers, right? And their immune system is gradually, gradually making its way to high fever. So this is a, this is the number one thing I look for in my practice to see if somebody's moving towards a cancer-free state. Uh, 9.9 times out of 10, somebody walks into my practice with cancer or has had cancer, they haven't had high fever in over a decade. So when this happens, then I say, okay, this is a main goal. We got We're going to move this person towards high fever. Why? Because it's going to start taking those bricks off of the immune system so the immune system can defend itself. When the immune system can actually defend itself through high fever and acute symptoms, chronic disease cannot exist. Okay, that's a really important connection to make that we're not told today. When your body can get high fever, 101.5 or higher, then you cannot have chronic disease. Chronic disease cannot exist if you can get high fever. So um, let's see where I wanted to go with that because... um, I had a really interesting, this isn't necessarily related to cancer, but I want to share this because it's really up right now. And um, I had a client come to me who had received the C19 jab and um, had an adverse reaction. And um, really adverse reaction. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't a good reaction. And um, that's a whole other ball of wax, which is likely going to segue into an upcoming, another upcoming episode. But I will mention that individuals who re- react to vaccines adversely usually are the ones who are in a higher level of health because their immune system can, is trying to counter all the shit that just got poured into their system from the vax. And in a response to try and counter that, their body will produce symptoms, okay? Whether that is anaphylactic shock, whether that is fever, whether that is um, chills, nausea, diarrhea, the body's trying to get that stuff out. And um, in order to do so, the immune system has to be able to respond. It has to be able to produce symptoms, acute symptoms, to help your body remove that poison and toxin from your body. 
people in lower levels of health, unless they are very sick, we're talking about like near their deathbed, maybe like 80s, 90s and not doing well in the 80s and 90s, um, and they receive a vaccine, they're also at high risk for adverse reactions and even uh, death from them. So I want to mention this because um, individuals in higher levels of health, the higher level of health you have, when you come in contact with a germ, a poison, a toxin, your body is more likely to produce more quote-unquote extreme symptoms because your immune system is strong enough to do so. And the way your body prevents a disease from going deeper into your body is through the symptoms it produces. So um, if somebody's getting a vaccine to try to prevent um, C-19, um, hilarious because uh, what we're not being told the, the right story. If, if you can actually... Um, if you can actually get high fever and uh, get an acute, then um, you're going to be able to get over the the disease, any acute, anyway. If you take the vaccine, you may or may not get C19. This vaccine is very different than other vaccines out there thus far, so it acts very differently. Um, and uh, C19 is, is really said to have been... Um, man-made. So it's not something that um, just kind of came up in a natural way. It's said to have been a man-made thing. I'm getting off topic a little bit and I'm going to go back on. But what I wanted to mention here is that after treating this individual who got the C-19 shot and then had a, a strong adverse reaction, which what does that mean? That she's in a higher level of health, gets homeopathic treatment to counter all of the negative side effects and symptoms that she's having. And uh, let's see, one and a half months after the remedy, gets very high fever. This person hadn't had very high fever in a few years, which puts her in a medium level of health. A month and a half after the remedy, very high fever. We're talking 104... Uh, 104.5 comes on. And when you take a remedy homeopathically, it can take time for the immune system to start removing the bricks. So it's not uncommon that a month, two months, three months, and those who are very chronically sick one to two years after homeopathic treatment ongoing, they start to get fever. So this person got, after the jab, then homeopathy to help counter all of the negative side effects that happened. Then a month and a half later, high fever. This was a very good sign to me because it told me that she was expelling the toxins from that shot from her body by getting that high of a fever. Very, very, very good sign. So when this happens, and let's... let's Come back to the cancer client. When this happens, and somebody who has cancer can get high fever, this is our. This needs to be our gold standard for this person is moving towards a cancer-free. Excuse me, a cancer-free state. 
because this tells us in real time that that person is actually able to produce a high fever, which tells us that the BRICS, the suppression, is being removed from their immune system. Now, lab work isn't going to tell you that the immune system is becoming less suppressed, but the patient or the client's symptoms will. Okay, so um, let's see. There's, oh, I will mention this. And um, I can't recall if I mentioned this in last episode or not. I may have, so I'll keep this brief. But for years and years and years, we've been well aware of the benefit of somebody with cancer getting high fever, so much so that some of our alternative treatments for cancer today use this as one of their main goals. I have a few issues with that, and that is um, the number one issue is that these alternative methods do not stimulate the body's own innate healing mechanism. It doesn't help remove the bricks and the suppression from the immune system. And instead, it kind of uses these um, artificial ways to raise the body's core temperature. And in doing so, then they think that, oh, we're going to raise the core temperature of this individual and, you know, in an attempt to burn away the cancer, to remove the cancer. This isn't going to work. And, um, and what treatment I'm specifically talking about here is hyperthermia. This is very common. Um, there's many clinics in Mexico who use hyperthermia. There's clinics here in the States. I think it's a little bit under, more under the radar in the States. But the goal of this is to raise the core body temperature to 107, 108. Not everyone can get that high because they simply get too hot. And that's a very artificial way to raise the core body temperature um, in an attempt to heal cancer. But here's the thing. It's never going to work that way. It's not going to work that way, especially modern day, because most people who have cancer modern day are in lower levels of health. They have so many bricks and suppressive therapies laid on top of their immune system that using an artificial method to raise core body temperature to mimic fever is not going to work. We need to use practices that help stimulate the body's immune system naturally. And by doing so, this is going to help to remove the suppressive therapies that are sitting on the immune system, preventing it from countering itself, from defending itself, and then as a result of it not being able to do so, diseases like cancer set in. So we've used things like hyperthermia. Even in mistletoe therapy, what do we want to look for? We want to look for a rash. We want to look for a fever. Okay. Um, I am a little bit more of a fan of mistletoe therapy than hyperthermia, a little bit more. Um, But again, I have found that there's a lot to mistletoe therapy and the majority of the people I've seen thus far be successful with that therapy, um, I can't say is very high. Um, and, it, and it's pretty cost, 
cost effect, uh, costly, I should say. Um, so there's a lot more to explore there. Um, there's also, um, I believe this was back in the late 1800s. There was an oncologist named Dr. Coley, who one of his cancer clients or patients, I should say, because he was a doctor, got a skin infection. And after he had the skin infection, which included high fever, he was cured of cancer. So after Dr. Coley saw this, he started injecting strep bacteria into his cancer patients in an effort to stimulate the immune system in order to produce high fever. Back in the, in the late 1800s, people in, were in much higher levels of health than they are today. When you're in a higher level of health, it takes um, very little to uh, overcome cancer or any other kind of acute condition or um, chronic condition that may be lingering. But these individuals had much higher levels of health. So back then you could, you could inject somebody with strep bacteria and their immune system was more apt to react, meaning produce high fever, produce symptoms in order to help them start the healing process to start strengthening the immune system. Today, I do not think that method would be effective at all. And uh, I can't tell you how many cancer patients I know. They're in the room with sick people. People could sneeze on them. They're not going to get a cold flu. They're not going to get an acute. They're just, their immune systems are so suppressed that it, it wouldn't even respond to, to something like that. So, um, but the idea is that we've known this for decades that high fever, when the body's able to produce it, the body's able to heal. It's able to heal acute conditions. It's able to heal, heal chronic conditions, including cancer. So what I look for in my practice is, can this person get high fever? Okay, you can't get high fever. When's the last time you had high fever? Okay, what happened then when you got that high fever? What did you get it as a result from? Mm, okay. Um, Another common thing I see in my practice is regarding cancer is many people have had um, mono. Um, for those of you who don't know mono, sleeping sickness. Um, gosh, I'm trying to think of the word. I have some clients in Australia and they use a different, they call it something different that I can't think of right now but I'm sure you're yelling it across the the screen at me now. (laughs) Um, But anyway, I've so often, I see cases, old cases, where people have had mono. It was treated improperly, meaning some sort of suppressive therapy. And then 10 years later, there's a cancer diagnosis. I can't tell you how often I see that. Very, very common. Um, mono is something we don't want to suppress. This is, this can cause big issues like cancer. Okay. So, um, that is, I think the bulk of what I want to talk about here today. Um, 
there's some other big things we could talk about, but I think that was a lot to chew on. And I'm just introducing this concept behind fever um, with you all and the immune system and how we really strengthen the immune system and how we can really detect the strength and the level of health of, a, of an individual. And the last thing I will mention, and I believe I mentioned this in the last episode as well, Root Causes of Cancer, is that skin rash. We never want to suppress a skin rash with creams, with antibiotics, nothing. We don't want to suppress a skin rash. Suppressing a skin rash is one of the most dangerous things we can do for our clients, patients, your body. This is a huge way the body detoxes and raises its level of health. So um, we really, I'm mentioning this here because often people who have cancer um, after treatment or at some point in time around the tumor site um, or literally I've seen it occur anywhere on the body as well but a skin rash can start to come out man I had this one case that was so it actually wasn't my case it was some through someone else I knew had this case where the individual had breast cancer and the rash that this person got after immunotherapy was absolutely astounding. And I was like, this is going to heal her cancer. This is it. This is amazing. Goes to the oncologist. What, is it? what do they do? Gives corticosteroids. Year and a half, two years later, what happens? Cancer spread. Cancer spread everywhere you can imagine. Not ever a good idea to suppress our skin eruptions. This is the way our body detoxes. It's a main way it detoxes. It's a main way the immune system starts to remove the suppressive therapies from our body. It's literally pushing them out through the skin and we never want to stop that process. Of course, if it's some kind of life or death situation, then we, you know, you always have to use your best judgment. I never give medical advice, right? So I wanted to mention that. That's also something I look for if somebody's moving towards a cancer-free state. Can they get high fever? Can they get rash? Is there a rash coming out around their tumor site? Um, Do they have any skin eruptions? Do they have anything coming out through their skin? If so, this is brilliant. This is a brilliant sign. This is what we want to look for. There's several other things we want to look for, but for today, those are some core areas. Um, Next episode, I'm going to get into the ideal cancer healing diet. So feel free to tune in to learn more there. If you have questions about anything I talk about on the show, if you have topics that you want addressed, feel free to send me an email. Um, You can go to my site, heathershepard.com, H-E-A-T-H-A-R-S-H-E-P-A-R-D.com. Go to the contact and you can... um, submit a question or a topic that you'd like me to address here on the episode, feel free to, to send it over there. You can email me heather.shepherd at email or at gmail.com. Um, or you can always send me a DM at sunlight underscore RX on Instagram. So, uh, I think that's all for today. That was a big topic. We covered a lot of turf. I hope that was super helpful for you all. 
and I hope it gives you some deeper insight on cancer, health, healing. It helps you start to understand maybe where your own level of health is and um, that healing is always an ongoing part of life. If you're interested in working with me to bring your immune system out of a suppressive state and to improve your level of health, there's two ways to do so. Number one, to become a client, go to heathershepherd.com and book a homeopathic session or an ancestral diet program with me. Once you sign up, I'll email you to schedule our initial session and to help you get started. If you have questions before signing up, I always welcome you to email me at heather.shepherd at gmail.com to ask your questions. Number two, to learn from me, you can join me this 2022 for the Holistic Health Coach Certification Program. This is a program rooted in cutting edge mitochondrial science and ancient healing modalities, teaching you how to be the most effective health coach for your clients. Application for the program is open now through November 25th. To join the program, go to holistichealthcoachcertification.com.